0: TheYeshiva.net. Good afternoon, England. Good afternoon, Canada. Good afternoon, Israel. Good afternoon, Israel. Yes, let's hear it for Israel. Well, I heard of Brooklyn. I've heard a few things about Brooklyn. Good afternoon. Good morning, Connecticut. Connecticut. Good morning, Brooklyn. Good morning, Connecticut. Good morning, Rockland County. Good morning. Good morning, North Carolina. Wow. What a nice accent! Look at that. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Toronto. Good morning, California. California, very early in the morning. 4.30 in the morning. Good morning, everybody. If I missed you, if I did not miss you, thank you for gracing us this morning. Ripshia, you could see me and hear me? Oh, good morning, Muncie, good morning, Manchester, good morning, Great Britain, good morning to the Queen, and uh, good morning, everybody who's here. Thank you for being here with us, and uh, may it be a great day and a great week for everybody. So let's begin. Let's begin. for on Saturday night. Oh, you- you tuned in? You tuned in? Oh, yeah. didn't miss it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very special evening. Yeah. You could watch the replay online, if you missed any of it, on theyeshiva.net. So please download your source sheets, if you haven't yet. As always, I make this announcement, but by now you probably figured it out. You can go to theyeshiva.net. You'll see Chassidus Monday. On top of the video, there's an icon called Download. And over there you can open and download the source sheets. Or there's something called View Source Sheets, which will open it up on the screen. We're going to begin today a new maimer, Be'ezer Hashem Yizbaruch, the maimer Oz Yasher Ma'isho B'nai Yisrael, the beginning of the song of the Jewish people after the splitting of the sea, which is in Parches B'Shalach, Torah, er, Parchas B'Shalach, Daf Samach Bez, Column 2. Samach, Beis, Amud, Beis, the columns in Torah, Ere, and Likudah, Torah are divided by four, which means every page has four columns. Like Gemari, you have Amud Aleph, Amud Beis, the first side of the page, and the other side of the page. Torah Ere, and Torah is divided by four columns, so there's Amud Aleph, Amud Beis, Amud Gimel, Amud Aleph, column one, two, three, four, just so you know how it's re- this Sefer is referenced. So this Mimer is daf Samach Beis Omut Beis, Samach Beis column 2, or page 123, if you have the Sefer. If you're opening your source sheets, then you don't need a page number because it's the first page. And you'll see the second column, the middle of the page, Az This is a maimer of the year Toph Samach Gimel. That would be 1803. And the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe, opens up with that famous verse that we say every morning, Then Moshe and the children of Israel sang this song to Hashem, and they said, I will sing to Hashem because He exult, He is exalted above the exalted, a horse and its rider he hurled into the sea. And if you if you read the Chumash, the story, you'll get the whole context why they said these words, obviously following the story of the splitting of the sea, where they walked through, and the Egyptians who came to pursue them and uh, reacquire them as slaves, as eternal slaves, were hurled into the sea where they drowned. in says the Alter Rebbe, to understand what is the very theme of Kriyas Yamsov, what is the message, the contribution of the splitting of the sea. What's his question? His question is, you say, well, he had to drown, the Egyptians were coming after the Jews, and they had to be saved, right? They were in front of a sea, the Red Sea, the Yamsov, the Egyptians were behind them, so I mean <laughs> they couldn't go back, right? But we all understand that there could be different ways of delivering the people. What was the th- w- when there's a particular miracle in Chumash? There is something unique about that event. This it had to happen this way. Why splitting of the sea? There were ten plagues in Israel that brought them to the- in Egypt that brought them to their knees. But here was Kriyas What What's the message here? Or to put it in different words, and maybe this is an important way of saying it, if the Torah is not just a book of stories, but it's a roadmap for life, it's a blueprint of how a person is supposed to live, so then every story there is my story. It's a reflection of my life. It's not just great stories that happened a few thousand years ago. If it's a road map for life, it's, if it's a real blueprint and perspective how I'm supposed to live, how I could live, so every story becomes a personal story. So that's his question. What is Kriyas Yamsif? What is the Indian of Kriyas Yamsif? I'm explaining the question on two levels. Furthermore, And this is a fascinating question. If you study the voyage, the path of the Jewish people from Egypt to Yisrael, they didn't have to go through the Yam. (laughs) You could study the map going from Egypt to the Holy Land. And at this stage, it was not yet planned that they would travel 40 years and go in circles. You don't have to go through the sea. The only reason they had to go through the sea was because Hashem said, "Go back." <laughs> he wanted them to go backwards, and Paroi would think they're confused and lost. He says, "Nevuchem heim ba'aretz, sagar aleim." The midrash Paroy would say they're completely lost and startled and overwhelmed. The desert closed in on them. In other words, you could say, "What do you mean? Why was there kriyas yamsof?" Because they had to go. They had to travel from Egypt to Israel, and there's a yam in the front of them. So what are they supposed to do? So the, the sea had to split. He says that's not the case, the, because it wasn't part of the derech. Hashem told them to go back in the other direction, and then the Egyptians pursued them, and then they had to go through the Yam. In other words, what do we see from here? It's not that kriyas yamsof happened because of the journey of the Jewish people, <laughs> because they journeyed, and therefore they had to be kriyas yamsof. No, it's the other way around. Because there had to be Kriyas Yamsov, therefore the Rabbi Shalam arranged the journey the way he arranged it. You see, it's very different. It wasn't a miracle of necessity, it was a miracle of choice. furthermore There are sources that demonstrate that the Jewish people didn't go through the sea. It was like a semicircle. It's not that the sea split, and they went over from one side of the sea to the other side of the sea. It's not what happened. They went in, they went in a semicircle, and they came out from the same side that they went into. <laughs> and they continued the journey. This is a famous Ta Seta Sato who explains this that they didn't go through the yam. They made a semicircle, so this now only exasperates this in, intensifies the question. This means that the whole point of Kriyas Yamsuf seems futile. They came out from the same site that they went in. So you say, well, he had to drown the Egyptians. The question is, why through the splitting of the sea? Hatam, the explanation in this is, Ksiv the Pasek says, V'yedu Mitzrayim ke'ni Hashem. hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu a few times in the whole story, the Egyptians will know that I am Hashem. But this doesn't seem to make sense. It says that the water covered up the oppressors of the Jewish people. Not one person was left. As we say every night, in every morning in Ezra, before Shemir Ezra, How can they know that I am God of their dead? You want them to know that I'm Hashem. He says it not only in Va'er and in Bo'y, where they're still alive. But Hashem tells Moshe here, they're going to find out that I'm God. They're not going to find out. They'll die. <laughs> it, you're not transforming them. You're killing them. What's <laughs> the explanation and all of this? Is, there is Egypt in every person and in every time. Just that statement itself is such a rich statement. Yesh Mitzrayim Bechal Adam Bechal In every person and every moment, there's something called Mitzrayim. (laughs) You're not reading an ancient story. You're reading an individual story. That's why... The Mishnah says, and we say it in the Haggadah, it's from Masachas Psachim, every generation a person ought to see himself as though he left Mitzrayim. And the Pasuk says, you should remember the day that you left Egypt, all the days of your life. What's the point? What does it mean in every generation? I said, see myself as I, I went out of Mitzrayim. And I have to remember it every day of my life. Why? And if I remember it once a week, once a year, I understand it's an important story. So on a simple level, the idea is that this is the the uninterrupted Messiah, the uninterrupted tradition of, of Am Yisrael. The story of Yitzhi Mitzrayim shaped our psyche. It crafted our Veltan As the Ramban explains in Chumash at the end of Parshas Boy. On a deeper level though we have to understand. So you could say it's important to remember Yitzhi Mitzrayim. It says, As though I went out. And every day of my life I have to remember this. and there's a person also has to remember every day the splitting of the sea. Which is why we tell the story every morning in Davening, we go through the whole story of the splitting of the sea and the Shira, and we mention it later also after Kriyashma. And we mention it later, also after Kriyashma. Our sages say the world stands on three things, Tyre and Avaidah, and Gemilas Chassadim Tyre, and service, and acts of kindness. Avaidah, heinen Avoid the what's service? Avaidah represents the karbonus, the offerings. Shalya eish, Shalomayi leyeri dalgabi hamezbeich, ayid alchil kurbanin. Chazal tell us in Mesech Teyuma, that an aish, a fire used to come down on top of the altar, and it was crouched like a lion, Chazal say in Yum and I think, that during the days of Shlomo when he built the first of HaMiktosh, a coal came down from heaven, and it developed into a fire, which was crouching like a lion, and that would eat up Arieh. It was a lion, the Achil Karbon, and that would eat up the Karbonas. This is what the Gemara says. This expression comes from Zoyer. The once the Beit is destroyed, our sages institute Tfila, Davening, in lieu of the offerings. What's the connection between Davening and an offering? It doesn't seem connected. The answer is, says the Balatanya, because what's the purpose of Davening? To take my animal soul. It's a very powerful moment. To take my Nefesh abaham as my animal soul, my reptilian brain, my animal consciousness, which is focused only on survival and instant gratification. My animal soul, which is living in a place of fear and insecurity, which is living in a petty orbit. And to take that animal soul and allow it to be absorbed in the heavenly fire, which is the love that comes from above every single day. Hashem sends forth his infinite love towards you. We say it in the morning, "Avas That's like a fire. It's like a fire. It's a passion that he plants into you. But I have to be able to allow myself to be consumed by that love. You have to allow yourself to be loved. And that's not so easy. It's hard for many of us to allow ourselves to be loved. Because we feel that we're going to be much more safe if we don't allow ourselves to be loved. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Everybody disappeared from the screen suddenly when I start speaking about this? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I know that the women know what I'm talking about. I want to know if the other heaven know what I'm talking about. The truth is we all have to work on this. This is the concept of opening myself up to the ava. This is Aviraba Ba Maila It's an arousal from above. This is the fire that can eat up the animal. So therefore, tefillah is just like a carbon. It's just the same, it's exactly the same thing. The carbon was a physical animal. And tefillah is sometimes harder because it has to be my inner animal. <laughs> but that's what tefillah is. And have is but where do you see in davening this concept that a fire comes down from above? But the truth is, this is the theme behind the fact that every, every single one of the blessings of Shemay Nasr, the 19, 18, 19 blessings, finishes with the words Baruch Atom. Baruch ato Hashem, Mugin Avram. Baruch ato Hashem, M'chayam Ezeh. Baruch ato Hashem, Akei Lakadosh. Chaynin Baruch ato, Blessed are you. Who, Al-Derech Masha similar to what the Apostle says, Baruch Hashem, Akei Yisrael. Min ha-oilam, Blessed is Hashem, the God of Israel. Min ha-oilam, v'ad which literally means from the world to the world. So on a literal level, it means that Hashem is blessed and acknowledged in all of the worlds as the true world omnipresent God that pervades all of the worlds, that's what we mean, Baruch Hashem, islam, which is the conclusion of the first Sefer of Tehillim, the end of Kapitol, Mem Aleph and Tehillim, is Baruch Hashem, islam, but what does this mean? From world to world, Says from the world of concealment to the world of revelation, of in other words, from a state of Seiviv, which we'll explain, to a state of Mamale. As the Pesach says, the famous Pasik in Melachim, HaShem Hu HaLekim, HaVaya is HaLekim. And it's already in Chumash. Ki HaShem Hu HaLekim Eina Edmovad. That's Boruch HaShem HaLekai Min It's accessing or revealing Elakim from one world, and bringing it in, and revealing it in another world, in Almadez Galia, from of Mamale, Havaya Elikim. So he gave three th- different ways of expressing this idea. Almadez Kas, Almadez Galia, Soivav Kalama, Mamale Kalaman Havaya and Elikim. And those of you who have been following for a while, know the connection. Havaya is associated with of Elikim, with Mamale, Almadez Kas, Havaya, Almadez Galia is Mamale, Almadez Galia Elikim. And when a person aligns, he connects his animal soul with Hashem Echad, with the oneness of Hashem, so then the higher fire, which is represented by Seyv of Kalalman, as we will explain, can be manifested and dwell in a person's soul. That is the idea of the Aryeh, the Esh that eats up the carbon. It's Baruch HaShem HaLekei Yislam When I bring my animal in. So then the fire can come in. And that's why we finish every bracha with Baruch Atah. Baruch Atah is two words. Baruch comes from the word hamshacha. Baruch in Lashen Kodesh, we have in Mishnayis. We learned Hamavrich hagefen. If you bend a vine, if I have, let's say, a vine, and I take a branch and I bend it, I bring it into the earth, because I want a new sapling to grow from another place in the earth, not far from the original vine. So mavrich is when you take something and you draw it, you you bend it, you want it to continue in another space. So he says, baruch is lashon hamshacha. Baruch is when you bring out something from a state of concealment into a state of revelation, from the subconscious into the conscious, to the point that it becomes ata that I could say here, you, which means it's right in front of me, it's lanoichach. Second person, you could say ata, you third person is who, he, or she, who or he in Hebrew. Atta is you. So what's Baruch Atah? Baruch atah is I am accessing, I am connecting with something that may be initially concealed to the point that I could say ata. That's the Baruch Hashem, Eleke Yisrael, Baruch again. Baruch HaMilashen hamshacha Min Ada Olam, from This is what happens by tefillah. Now what does all of this mean? This is the introduction to the Maim at the end of the first paragraph. This is a beginning, and the explanation is, Kihini amrun Amru de DeGemore says, In Meseches khul in Kol Ma yash yash Whatever exists in dry land exists also in the water, in the seas. In other words, whatever, exi- whatever exists Bayabasha before our eyes, a counterpart of it exists also Bayam in the sea. And conversely as well, whatever exists... In The Yam exists in the Yabasham. This is what Chazal teaches in Mesech Te Chulin, Tav Kuf Chav Zayin Aleph, that even though this is dry land and this is the sea, but remember, whatever is here is here, whatever is there is there. You have the counterpart of each type of organism and existence that exists in the sea, exists in dry land, and conversely. What is the meaning of this? It says the Balatanya Yamu B'chines Almudis Kasavi Yabashu B'chines Yam, the sea, represents what's called alma the hidden world. Yabasha, dry land, is called al the revealed world. So what's the difference, physically, between the dry land and sea? The creatures in the sea are not visible. Because the bed of water eclipses them. furthermore, chiyusim v'kiyumim What is more, their existence and their endurance is always within the water. V'yeev shalem There is no way for them to be able to live in dry land because if you extract a fish from the water, it will immediately perish. The creatures in the dry land, the earth may produce the vegetation, but, but the fruits will be visible above the earth. The fruits are not submerged in the earth. The fruits are visible out of the earth. And even though they're never disconnected for the, for the tree or for the vegetable, or any of the vegetation, or produce, or any bush, or shrub, or tree, or plant. It must receive its nurture from the earth. In other words, it also lives from the soil, because if you cut a tree, it cannot anymore receive nurture, just like the fish. You take it out of the water, it dies. He says, But they're visible, they appear as something independent. Of course, I need the soil. I'm connected to the soil. But the tree grows above the earth. And it may grow. You have trees, you know, the sequoias that can grow 300 feet tall. There are trees maybe 350 feet tall. Huge trees. And when you look at them, yes, we know they're dependent on the soil. They get their nurture from the soil. But the way they appear is as a yesh, as something very powerful, very significant. And to to a point, self-contained. That's the difference between yam and yabasha. When I look at the sea, what do I see? Like the expression in the Pesach in Yeshaya, kamayim Yam mechasam. The bed of water covers the entire interior of the sea. I come to the water, I don't necessarily see fish. I may see a few fish on the top. I come to the ocean, you go to the ocean. Nobody imagines the rich resources of plant life and animal life amphibious life that exists under the waters what they call marine life the life underwater it's it's, it's a universe (laughs) sometimes the depth is could be dozens and dozens and dozens of miles and there's a huge world there today you know we have some access to it with the technology and you see the the diversity of life underwater is incredible As much as we're astounded by the diversity of life on dry land, we are blown away by what's happening under the water. And do you know, I don't know if you know, we still don't know every species of fish that exists. It's been thousands of years of investigation and research and more than a hundred years of modern research. We still have not identified every type of species of fish. We can't. We constantly discover more and more. You know, people think we discovered everything. We didn't even begin. There are millions of species we identified. But we still know that there's a lot more. That we don't. I think I once read that they, they, they know around 2 million. But they know that there's more. And of course within each species there's so much diversity. It's, it's a whole world. But we don't see it. What's the difference? The difference is whatever is here is there. But we don't see it. Why don't we see it? Because the water covers it. That's why it's called Alma, that's why it's a metaphor for Alma Discasio. It's a world, but it's a hidden world. And it's not just we don't see it, it's that everything that exists there, or at least many creatures that exist there, if you take them out of the water, they can't live. They must live in a way that they're submerged inside the water in a very physical sense. We, we also live on earth, but you could see us, and you could see the diversity I could see right now, I see you and you and you and you, and here I see a cup, and here I see a mouse, and here I see a safer, and there I see a bookcase, and there I see a window and a tree. I see, I see everything, and I see everything as an independent existence and reality. And Al Rebbe says, even though living organisms there also depend on earth, because there's no tree or there's no plant that doesn't receive its nurture from soil, from the earth, which is like the water, he says, MS. But it grows out of the earth. It doesn't stay submerged in the earth. You see it, and you see it as something independent. You have to know that it needs the soil for sure. But it it appears as a yesh, Especially you have these tall, strong trees. The same is true animals. They also may need the earth. Everybody needs the earth. Without the earth, we can't live. The earth gives us food and nutrients and oxygen and nitrogen and so many other components that we need to live. But we emerge from the earth independent. We emerge from the earth as separate, distinct realities that are visible. This is true even with trees that are always connected, certainly all the other living organisms that are not even connected to the earth. Yes, we have to live on our planet in a particular state. We need the oxygen. Just like the fish needs to live inside the water for it to be able to have its source of life. We are here on earth, within our reality where we can have our oxygen, but every single Nivra is absolutely visible, and visible as something independent and self-contained. This will explain what is the difference spiritually, between the world of the sea and the world of dry land, the world of concealment, and the world of revelation. What do we mean, the Balatanya says? We say about these two worlds, what does it mean? But now we'll understand it. it explains, it begins with always looking at my own flesh. The Apostle says, from my flesh I'll perceive God. Apostle the neshama has a and midas. What does it mean? The neshama has, seichal is, the ability, the cognitive abilities, and midas are the emotions, the experience, the sensations. Generally, seichal is divided into three categories, three cognitive abilities, the midas are generally divided into seven. Various experiences of chesed, gvore, teferes, netzachot, yisoyed, malchuz, v'yashalem, gimel, avush, machshav, edibur, And then they have three garments, which are thoughts, speech, words, and actions. V'yikam heim ischalkam l'pratim rabman. they too are subdivided into many details. U'beklalon Hem Hepchinus. Generally, we have here five aspects, seichel, midas, machshav, edibur, ma'isa. We just divided the human soul into five categories. There's something called Seichel. Seichel is our cognitive abilities. Seichel, intellect, ability to comprehend, to reason. Midas. Midas would be called my emotional experiences, which in many ways is part of my physical reality. You know, I can, I, I, the sensations and experiences, the way they live in my body. Seichel could be abstract. Midas is actually affecting it's, it's, it's my feelings, my sensations, and then you have machshava, thoughts, words, and actions. So it's five things: seichel, midas, machshava, dibur, Keneged nefesh, ruach, neshama, They parallel five aspects of life called nefesh, ruach, neshama, which parallel these five: Maisa, dibur, machshava, midas, and the truth is, these these five categories exist on many different planes, on many different levels, higher and higher and yet higher. Using an expression of kaihelas ecclesiastes, every person has it in a way that he doesn't have that doesn't exist in his colleague. Every every person has their own five layers of Nefesh and you can't compare it to two. Everyone has their own type of Avaidas Hashem, their own soul. One person serves Hashem with a focus on this aspect. He gives an example. One person serves with Khlaysa Nefesh with a tremendous yearning and desire. Other people in different ways. What is the difference between seichel and You are asking, what's the difference between seichel and Mahshava? Seichel is the ability to conceive ideas. Machshava is the process of thinking. And the two are not the same. Machshava requires isis. Machshava requires language. It's the way the idea is articulated in language. It's the actual thinking about something. And I can also think about something I don't understand. So that's why Machshava and Seichel are not the same thing. Machshava dresses up Seichel, Machshava articulates Seichel. If I want to start thinking about a seichel, I need machshavah. That's what machshavah is. Really Just like speaking. Is, is the really is a, a synonym for chachma. Right. A seichel is like chachma bin adas. Seichel is, is, is the awareness of an idea. The way I process that awareness is usually through thought. But sometimes a person has an epiphany, right? The idea itself, before it's articulated in language. Machshavah is with the beginning of language. The beginning of letters. Discussed in Tanya, Chapter Twenty. The same is true not only the soul and the body, but even the soul on its own in Gan It's not just the body makes the difference. Every soul has its own five layers of nefesh, ruach, neshama, chayah, yichida. Ah, but there is one major difference between souls. Yeshman bep'chinas almedes galia shenidim hamadreges mufradim begiler. You have souls that are in a state of al meaning that all of their levels are seen as separate and in a revealed fashion. And you have other souls that all their levels, all their experiences and functionalities and resources are called al which means they're completely submerged, their very reality is submerged and so to speak, nullified in their source, which is called Tsev of Kalalman, the encompassing light, the a Kalei Chashav, because in his presence, everything else doesn't have independent significance. It's like the water that covers over everything that's inside the water. Umipchinez, U'hayse Moshe Rabbein Olova Shalom, and this is where Moshe came from. Moshe came from this state. why was Moshe named Moshe? What does it say in Parashash the daughter of Pari named the Moshe, because I drew him out of the water. And forever that remains his name, Moshe. Moshe. He was taken out, he was retrieved from the water. Now, that's obviously a very significant event in his life. But why does this become the eternal name of Moshe? Says Dalterebe, because Moshe is min yam almadis This was actually the greatest definition of Moshe. Even when he was on dry land, he was still from the sea. He was an amphibious creature, spiritually speaking. He came from the Yam. Now you'll understand the deeper reason why Moshe had a difficult time verbally communicating. He had a heavy mouth as he complains. To because naturally, the concept of dibur of speech and his galus revelation communication was not his forte. It was not his thing. It defied him. Because Moshe comes from a completely different reality. His state, his natural state, is bittel That his whole is within the water. So there's no communication. Dibur is based on his galus. I'm here and I'm communicating to you. When I'm completely submerged in the water, there's no sense of I that could communicate and be revealed. The sense of I is completely bottled. to its source. Like Moshe Rabbeinu says, ma? What are we? Moshe experienced himself as ma. What is the Balatanya telling us?" He's explaining to us that there are two worlds, two states of consciousness. One is called Almedes Galya, The metaphor, the beautiful metaphor is Yam and Yabasha. When I come to the water, I know that there's a whole world there, but I don't see a whole world. All I see is water. In other words, the water unifies and integrates everything that's beneath the water to the point that I only see the unity of the water. If I go down, if I go scuba diving, if I spend time under the water, and today, people, obviously, we have developed resources for people to remain a long time under the water. Then, I can gaze at the astounding diversity that exists there. But from a perspective, standing outside the water, there's only achdos, there's only us. Doesn't mean there's no diversity, but all the diversity is unified in the water. Ya yeah, the al Rebbe, said it's the exact opposite. You look at dry land and immediately the first thing your eye observes is diversity. <laughs> you're you, you're you, you're you, you're you. <clears throat> this is connected with a second difference that he said. In Yam, <clears throat> if I extract its organ, its living creatures, I extract the fish, they die. For them to live they have to remain concealed in the water. But Barsha, it's the exact opposite. If you keep somebody in the earth, <laughs> chas shalom, Right? an animal, you put it under the earth, you take the tree, you want to bury it in the earth, it should stay there forever. Then you spell its death. We need oxygen, of course, we have to be submerged in our oxygen. But everyone is visible as an independent reality. And even though we all need earth, we call earth Mother Earth. HaKal <speaking in> HaYemina <Hebrew> it says in Kehelas. we all dependent on that which grows to live. We're all dependent on earth and that which comes from the earth. We can't live for a moment without it. True. But nonetheless, I'm not inside the earth. And when is a person placed inside the earth? Khalilah, after they pass away. In other words, what, this, what, this, what's, what spells life on earth spells death in the sea. And what equals life in the sea equals death on earth. This, this, this way of contrasting that Eber once said when he was sharing this idea in a Mimer. It's not just different realities. What's called life in Alma de is called death in Alma de Iskali, and conversely. So the tree is connected to the earth and needs the earth, independent on the earth, but it's a visible reality. What does all of this mean in life? There's two ways of living, there's two states of consciousness. There's a state of Alma de Iskassia, and this is an eshamah, the way he puts it in incredible words. Sheim ptelem b'metzias b'mechayrem, mosh rabbeinu. A Neshama that has everything. It has seichel and Midas and Machshav and Dibur and Maisa and all the details, right? There's a diversity of life. But all you see is the water. Meaning, it's a soul that experiences itself not as a separate reality, but just as completely one and integrated with the source of life with Hashem. So this person's life, there's complete oneness, even though there's diversity. But all you see is the water. Mean mishisi. that's moshin abbeinu. The I is submerged in the source of life. So there's no self-consciousness, there's no sense of separateness, there's no sense of I exist. I don't exist. Reality exists. Hashem exists. Divinity exists. The I is inside the water, you don't even see it. Because the very definition of the I is the very definition of the I is a conduit, a channel for divine oneness. So in Ahmed's discussion, the vocabulary of I exist is a contradiction in terms. Not because I don't exist. <laughs> I actually exist in a deeper way. But because the definition of existence there is not that I exist. The definition of existence is Einoid Mulvada exists, the einsoif exists. And I am a conduit for the einsoif. There's no sense of separateness. This is pshat, bitl bimitziyas. Your whole mitziyas is completely aligned, completely dovuk, there's absolute vakus to the point that you don't see yourself. There's no sense of self-consciousness because there's no separateness. Heim ptelem What he means by the words ptelem he could have just said, a bottle and their source, right? The reason he says, is because what he wants to say is, there's a different type of Bittal. There's a Bittal called Bittal Hayesh. And that's what he's saying here. I'm not talking about Bittal I'm talking about Bittal Hayesh. Bittal Hayesh could be, I nullify my ego. So for example, let's say I'm working for somebody who is very talented, and very brilliant, and very resourceful. And I have a, a, a loyalty, a devotion. It's like I I, I, I I pledge allegiance to this person, or to this government, or there's this flag. And I work for you, and I'll, I'll, I'm ready to surrender maybe my ideas, or my plans, or my expectations to your vision. But there's still a sense of I, and there could still be separateness, and there could be resentment, and to the point that I one, one day will quit. That's called Bitl Hayesh. In other words, I take my yesh and I'm a vatal and I surrender it. So the Alter says we're not talking about that. We're talking about Bitl B'Metzias. The Bitl is in your whole mitzias, not just in your yesh. I don't just surrender my ego to you. That's not what we're talking about. Bitl B'Metzias is my whole existence is one. I don't see my existence as separate from Hashem. And it's not about words, it's an experience. When I'm in Alma de there's no ego. Not because I'm fighting my ego, not because I'm I'm, I'm suppressing my ego, not because I'm denying my ego, not because I'm trying to, you know, be holy. No, no, nothing to do with that. Alma de is a real place of complete attachment. It's like the fish in the water, I can't fake it. Somebody says, I want to become a fish tomorrow. Okay, go under the water, you can't live. You have to understand, the, the creature of can't, of Galia can't live in Amadeus <laughs> And the creature of Amadeus Gassi can't live in Almadisgalia. <laughs> take a fish and say, come, I'm going to take you to Drei, I'm going to show you how beautiful, here, let me give you a tour of Manhattan. Let me give you a tour of Big Ben. Let me give you a tour of uh, Sacramento. Yeah, let me give you a tour of Paris. Let's go to the Eiffel Towers. <laughs> the fish says, do me a favor. Let's stay in the mikveh, the best place. Stay in the mikveh. That's what some people do. They just stay in the mikveh all day. You know why? They want to be in Alma Discassia. You thought your friends stay in the mikveh all day. But the real reason is that they sense this is Alma what What's the idea of going to the mikveh, by the way? What's the idea? I go into the water, I put my head in, boom! Okay, you're good, you're pure. What's the idea? A person is Tomei, a man, a woman. You go to the mikveh, you come out, you're good. What, what happened? <laughs> it's not about hygiene. We know that, right? You can take a shower in your house. You'll be clean. Sometimes it's cleaner than a mik- some mikvahs, men's mikvahs. But this is one of the fundamentals in Torah Mitzvahs. On the, the, month, on the monthly basis, the woman goes to the mikveh, And after she comes out of the mikveh, now intimacy is allowed and encouraged. What happened? What's the concept? Mikvah is al If one strand of hair is out of the water, if a pinky is out of the water, it's not good. Go again into the mikvah. Why? What's a joke? So some hair was out of the mikvah. So there was a chatzitza. There was something separating a part of my body from the water and the water didn't penetrate it. Big deal. But like, <laughs> Relax. Ay, 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 it's moiradik, based on this maimer. Because if one nail or one strand of hair is protruding out of the water, it's already not alma mediskasya The definition of alma mediskasya is min ha that you're in a space that's completely underwater. If there's 1% that's out of the water, it means even the rest, even the 99% is not really underwater. Minamayim ishissiyu is the ability to be able to become completely comfortable and Bittal, to be able to divest myself from all the layers of self-consciousness, self-consciousness, which is not easy, and to become submerged in that reality of mayim almedeskassia, and if I would remain under the mikvah for too long, I wouldn't be able to live. In other words, I'm entering essentially into a space of death. And therefore, I have to come out after a few seconds. I'm entering into a place where the "I can't continue to exist, and from there, I could reinvent myself and find my purity and holiness and innocence, a place that's beneath Tuma. But that process you're going to the mikvah is not so simple, my friends. The word "tvila," the middle Rebbe writes, the word "tvila" is the same letters like "ha he, Beis, Yud, Teslamit Ha-Bitl. The Mittler-Ebbe writes that if somebody goes to the Mikveh without the kavana of bittel, they didn't fulfill their obligation. He doesn't mean halochically. Halachically, you did. He writes this not in a Sefer of Haloch. He writes it in a Sefer of Chassidus. de You didn't really experience what Mikveh is. And the word Mikveh also means hope. Tikva. Kavei al Hashem. mikveh Yisrael Hashem. It's a mikvah, and it's hope, because this is the hope of a per- this is the mikvah of a person. So who's Moshe? Moshe's ben always lives in the water. Venachnu Moshe's is a conduit for Ein He's always attached. He's not only attached; he's bottled by metziyas. His whole metziyas there's no I. It's a different type of metziyas. It's not I don't exist. I exist as a conduit, as a manifestation of God's existence. That's who I am. I am the light of Hashem. There's no separateness. There's no Yosef, Yitzchak, Jacobson with my own name, with my own identity, with my own struggles, with my own complexities, with my own virtues, with my own vices. I'm not busy with myself. Not because I don't exist. That's what he says. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshach, Mechaia, all the Madregas. But the difference is in Almedes, Galia, I love these words. Nirim ha-Madregas mufradim begilu. In Almadiz Gali, you could see this is nefesh, ruach neshama, just like the, here's a fish, and here's another type of fish. Here's the carp, and here's the tuna, and here's the hecht, and here's the chili and sea bass, and here's the turbo. Oh, I mean, I'm saying the kosher ones. <laughs> you could see, Nirema Madregis Mufrad and Begila. You could see the levels, the states of consciousness. Each one is separate, it's self contained, and it's revealed. It has expression, it has mani- it's manifested. That's Almedesgalia. Almedesgalia is there's a world of self consciousness. I may know that I come from the that I need the earth. I say yes I know that I come from Hashem, at least on some level. I believe it. I can understand it a little bit, but what's my experience? My experience is one of separateness who are we? That's the question. Are we creatures of Almadis Cassio? or are we creatures of Almadis Galia? Now you understand why Moshe can't speak. Kvatpeh. What does speech mean? Speech always is based on self-assertion. I'm here and I want to communicate to you. I want to reveal my ideas, my thoughts to you. When Moshe Naturally is I'm not part of the world of communication because communication by definition means that I am in a certain there's a certain self-containment, there's a certain independence, and now I am communicating to you. Speech and his gallus requires that prerequisite experience of I. If my eye is wounded, it's very hard for me to communicate. But in this case, it's much deeper than that. It's not my eye is wounded. If my eye is submerged, so I say. V'nachnuma, Moshe says, Mi noichi." Hashem says, "Go to Paris." He says, "Mia noichi." I don't have an anoichi. <laughs> Mia noichi. <laughs> Who am I? I'm in the water. Not because I'm a weak person. I'm insignificant. I'm a shmata, I'm a loser. Chas <laughs> v'shalom. It's not coming from weakness. Sometimes a person is, I'm so shy, I'm so self-conscious. Over there, I'm not submerged, I'm even more self-aware. I'm sometimes so shy and I'm embarrassed. That's not Alma <laughs> That's so al-mud-is-galia that I don't feel connected to anything. I don't feel connected to infinity. I feel like alone in the world and everybody's gonna judge me. By Rabbeinu, it was the exact opposite. He never emerged from the water. There was no sense of self to be able to say, I'm going to be Megala myself. If you want me to be Megala myself, kill me. And that's what he says at the end. And Balois says, kill me, Hargeni Noreg. Take a fish out of water. Come, fish, show off your colors. Go give a speech. You're going to kill me. Put me back in the water. I don't want to be visible. Here it's not, I don't want to be visible. I can't be visible. My metzius is bitul. His Metseus is bitul. That's bittul b'mitzias. His very mitzias is bittul. You understand why he says bittul is Abdaniel? It's very deep. It's not Bittl hayesh. His mitzias is bittul. Very different. That is his mitzias, and, and I need this is this is so, subtle ideas. You have to understand. Bittul doesn't mean here you're obliterated. <laughs> bittul means your mitzias is bittul. The herst is real. What bittul is? Not that you're, somebody destroys you. That's not Bittl Bittul b'mitzias lech tas bittes means the definition of your Metsius is Bittl. Ah, that's different. That is your mitzias. What is your reality made up of? What is your reality made up of? Your reality is made up of a lakus that is your reality. That's your Mitsuis. It's a different Metsius. That's Ahmed. Moshe can't speak. So, so Mitsius means really means connected? Yeah. Bitul Bimetsius is the ultimate connection. That's why we call bitul alignment, the ultimate alignment. But alignment in a way that there's no eye that's visible. <laughs> Because the entire eye is submerged. My mitzi is like the fish. The fish exists very nicely and very happily. The fish is very fine. <laughs> only when it's invisible. The moment you force the fish to be visible, what do you do? You kill it. And that's the voice of Alma Descassia. Mitzi for Alma is death. You want me to be visible? You're killing me. The me can only exist... In invisibility, in connection. The moment you take me out of the source of life and you want me to be conspicuous, it's death. It's not that Almodiscasia is busy fighting temptation and fighting Tivus and fighting Gaiva. No. Almodiscasia means you live in a world, you live in a reality, in a state of consciousness where if I become visible, it spells the end of my life. The definition of my existence, of my consciousness, of my chius is that I'm in the water and you only see the water. Almadiz Galia is an opposite existence. Over here, my existence is defined by my assertiveness, by the I. Yeah? What are the therapists like saying to their patients? What are they like saying to their patients? You have to realize that you exist and you have needs. And you could be honest about your needs. And your needs have to be met. The truth is, these are two... Now listen to this. These are two experiences in a person's life. Two very, very powerful experiences. Today, some psychologists and therapists are talking a lot about this. But here you have a Maimer 1803, that's more than 200 years ago without it, Rabbi says it. There are two... Opposite driving forces in a person's life. Our need for attachment and and our need to be self-contained. My need for attachment is I need to feel connected. You need to feel dveikas. On the other hand, I also need to feel like me. (laughs) I can't feel like you. It's these two components that maybe define much of the challenge of the human brain in developing a healthy sense of self vis-a-vis the world. Or as one of our Hevres says, there is attachment, the need for attachment and the need for authenticity. That tension is the tension of Almadiz Galia. <laughs> Almadiz my authenticity is my attachment. Alma Discassia. That's Moshe. You can't understand Moshe if you don't understand this. Moshe is saying, I'm not made to speak. Not because he's shy, not because he's insecure. Because for him, speech is a spiritual death sentence. It's compromising his integrity, it's compromising his source of life, it's compromising everything he is. Because who is he? You know what he is? He is non-existence. He, that's who he is. That's His mitzi is his His existence is made of not. It's not made of yes. I can't explain it better than that. His existence is made up of, of not. That's his existence. You take him to a place of bittel, he comes to life. You take him to a place of yeshes, he's like, I can't live here. Sorry. And, and, and the truth is, the more you learn chassidus, the more you could relate to this. Where, where I don't exist, I exist. And where I exist, I'm not sure I exist. Without chesidus, it's fakert. You have to exist. The more you exist, the more you exist. The more bitle, the less existence. When you really, you learn chesidus ba'amkus seriously, it's the other way around. When you're not in a state of existence, you're existing much more. Because you're not detached, you're not disconnected, you're not struggling for oxygen. You're just submerged in the source. You're not busy with the burdens of self-consciousness. There's a lightness of being. You're not carrying the burden of yesh. You're part of ayin. That's alma discuss. But I can't fake it. If I'm from al I'm from al If I'm not, I'm not. If you're from alma madiskalya you have to acknowledge you're from al That's what can happen to somebody. You learn all this and say, okay, I'm from Amadiskas. You're not. (laughs) You're not. You have to align yourself with Amadiskas. You have to know about Amadiskas. It's very important, but you're not Amadiskas. Please explain again. Can Amadrigas, explain Such rich words. Shanidim ha-madregis mufradim begilu. It's the second line from the top. He says, there are souls that are from Alma gali which means their diversity of levels are conspicuous as separate levels in a revealed way. In other words, they and others could see their madregis mufradim. Each level is separate and distinct. This is called spiritual biodiversity because everything is begilu. Everything is in galus, And in a revealed space, this is the head, and this is the stomach, and this is the arm, and this is the leg, and this is Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, chaya, Achshava, Dibra, Maisa, Seichel, Midas. Everything has its space. This is biodiversity. And you have to be loyal to it. In fact, the halachas of Kilayim are based on respecting the space and the boundaries. You know all the halachas of Kilayim? No hybrids, Right? whether it's in clothes, whether it's in plants, whether it's in seeds, in trees, in fruits, Kelayim is this concept, tshatnas. it's respecting, the Ramban explains this, or Beno explains this, it's respecting the integrity and the boundaries of every creature. The issues of crossbreeding, the issues of castration, this is all in that realm of halacha, respecting boundaries. This is all a property of Almedes Galia. The Madregas are seen as separate. Why are they separate? Because they're Behezgalos. They're revealed. What does not mean they're revealed? Their identity emerges. So you are not me and I am not you. As the kutsky Rebbe says, if I am I because you are you and you are you because I am I, then I am not I and you are not you. That's al Separateness becomes an essential property of existence. If you tell the tree, just be like the other tree. You're all the same. You're all one. If we're all one and we nullify our diversity, the world, our planet can't exist. Just like the limbs of the body. Every limb has its own shape, its own organ, its own distinct identity. That's in Almed Galia. In Almed Kasya, it's like the fetus in the womb. The fetus in the womb, all you see is the mother. The fetus, the Gemara says, Uber yarechimai. the fetus is an extension of the mother. The fetus is submerged in the amniotic sac, which is a mikveh. For nine months, we spend time in the mikvah. That's why we like going back to the mikvah. I'm explaining why some people live in the mikvah all day, or at least all morning. They want to go back to their fetal uh, positions. <laughs> now somebody says, you keep on saying the word alignment or connection. Connection is when two separate things must have be connected. But that's not bitlbimetziyahs. I would think there's no separation in B'tel B'mitziyas, Or is that B'tel Hayesh? Excellent question. You're right. Connection is more associated with B'tel Hayesh. B'tel is not just I'm connected. The word for it is more dvekus I am connected to the point that the I ceases to exist as separate. And it's not it ceases to exist. It doesn't exist. It doesn't emerge. It didn't emerge from a water state of being. And that's what the, the daughter of Parai understood. Moshe came in, sihu. Even when he walked dry land, he remained in the water. He was a person of water. That's why Moshe was the humblest person. That's why Moshe naturally could not speak. That's why Moshe says, ma, And that's why Moshe says, I can't go to Parai. I'm not this person. Mi Anu There's no anoychi here. Somebody says, yes, yes, that's a laman in Tehillim. I have concealed your words in my heart because I don't want to sin to you. So the question is, by not speaking, you're not going to sin, and when you speak, you sin. And the answer, of course, is, that when you're living in a state of alma de escassia, words become a sin, not because you're trying to sin, but because words compromise your source of life. It becomes it becomes a sin. I think the Gemara points out the difference between what Moshe said to what Abraham said. About... Yeah. Avram said annoyed the Gemara says, Avram said Anohi Afa. Moshe Rabbeinu said Vinachnu Ma. Yadavara Malak said Anoiki Sailaz Valayish. You see the difference. Afar is Almadis Galia. Ma is Almadis Kasya. It's much deeper. That's what the Gemara says, Godalba Avram, that's what the that was the Mailin Moshe. You say that the sea covers up the whole marine world. But that is only from our perspective, our land-bound eyes in land-bound creatures. This is opposite to the fish in the sea who see the marine world but cannot see our world on dry land. It's only a matter of perspective limited by our reality. Yeah, this is a metaphor. This is a metaphor to understand from our perspective when we see the water, we only see oneness. You're right. Inside the water, from their perspective, there's diversity. But we're talking from our experience, water represents this oneness, and that's why we like going to the water. Why do people feel a special delight when they go to the water? They go to the beach, they go to the ocean. Even when you see a pond of water, a lake, a river, it, it, it brings some serenity to the soul. Because it reminds us of the cosmic mikveh. It reminds us of the way we were before we were born it brings us back into that serene place of complete oneness, of complete dveikos, of complete attachment. Subconsciously, when you go to the water, you go back to that inner space of oneness before you emerged, and now you have to carry the burden of being. This is pre-carrying the burden of being. And that's a very, very pleasurable experience. Could you say that Moshe who was drawn out of water essentially represents what every child goes through because every child is submerged in the amniotic sack of water and birth draws them out through the birth canal out of that amniotic sack into dry land. In fact, in creation, the land itself was created by drawing it out of the water that covered the earth. That's what happens on day Three, Hashem says, let the water retreat and let earth emerge. Even our lower waters, the seas, were drawn out of the upper waters. So this is a continuation of the process of extracting the hidden from the concealed. And that becomes revealed. The drawing out from the concealed and drawing out that which is concealed from that which conceals it is purification, mikveh. But the process is reversed from rayim. They were drowned. In other words, they had to go into the water. Yet, yeah, this is very, very profound words, what you're saying. And I'm going to reference the Maimer. we learned. HaSamnaf Sheinu B'chayim Tov yudches. We learned it in the summer, Parshas Kairach. About Mayim al You remember Mayim al Mayim Tachtoynim. Kairach wanted that division between the higher water and the lower water. Yeah, it's 100% true. Everything was water, and dry land emerged from water on Tuesday. On Monday, the lower water was separated from the higher water. So this is all a continuation of the process. Moshe is drawn out of water, a baby is drawn out of water. What is that? That's the concept of going from helam to Gilui, from a state of Bitl ben to a state of Yesh, from Ayin, which is nothingness, which is no-thingness, no thingness, meaning I'm not defined as a thing. I'm defined as infinity, into thingness, which is yesh. That is the process of going from mayim al to mayim Tachtainim, from mayim to Yabosha. What was the mabul? What was the mabul? The mabul was God saying the experiment didn't work. Let's go back into the mikveh. Why did the mabul happen for forty days? Because a mikveh has forty sa'ah teider er parshas nayach. The Medr says that the Mabel was Mayim B'Mayim, going back to the state in the beginning of creation where everything is water. In other words, everything is alma disgassia. There's no almadizgalia. And that's the source of the mikveh, that's the source of purification. It's going back into that space. And then you come out of it, and there's a malacha on Shabbos. What's the malacha of Shabbos that's associated with this? Remember that by Litzma? Which malacha is this malacha that Hashem did? It's the malacha of mephatek, extracting. You know that malacha? Dosh, threshing. When you thresh, what did you do? You remember when you had a farm and your, your, your cow threshes the grain, what happens? You extract the kernel from the chaff. It's called mefarik. It's giving birth. You're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. You know why? Because that malach actually represents all of creation extracting the yesh from the iron, the fish from the water, the fetus from the womb, the lower water from the higher water, dry land from water. It's extracting and developing a new reality. You're not allowed to squeeze, right? You're not allowed to squeeze a fruit on Shabbos and make juice. You could squeeze it into a salad because when you're squeezing the liquid into the food, it's like the food. So it's, you're taking out food from food. It's like cutting a potato. But to, to squeeze a fruit into liquid, you're not allowed to. It's called mefarik. It's dush. It's extracting one thing that was submerged in something else, and it was invisible, and you're extracting it and turning it into something new. That's not on Shabbos. Shabbos is alma the avoid of taking out alma deskasi and alma This is a violation of Shabbos. The Egyptians ah squeezing, uh, squeezing seychet squeezing the squeezing the towel in the mikveh back to the mikveh, right? On the other hand, the Egyptians are thrown into the water. This is like the Mabel, where they're going back into the water, as we will see. Very interesting questions. So you say that there's Moshe Rabbeinu who's a water man. And then there's people on the dry land who are separate. You tell me that these people will die if they're taken out of their atmosphere and existence. In other words, if they're put on dry land, they can't exist. If they're on the dry land with air and oxygen and they come into our world of oxygen and air, they won't live. On the other hand, if you take us and you put us under the water, we cannot live in that atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, this is the power of the idea. For Almadis Galia creatures, Almadis Gassius spells death, at least in their own perception. For Almadis Gassius creatures, Almadis Galia spells death. Being in the earth is what we do after 120. Offer atav tashuv. And for the water, they want to be invisible. That's their source of life. If, the, if, if you make them visible, you're killing them. That's what Moshir Rabbeinu says, hargeni Naharik. You don't understand. I don't need this. This is not my thing. I'm happy to be submerged. Because I don't need to be happy. <laughs> I don't even have a need to be happy. I'm just a conduit for infinity. Navigating this tension and unifying these two worlds is the theme of this maimer. An incredible, incredible idea. This is going to be the whole theme of Kriyas Yamsuf. As we will see Bezer Hashem in the continuation of the Shir, which we will continue, Bli Neder, Thursday morning, 7.30 a.m. Please hazard over what we learned till now and try to finish the maimer. And uh, we will continue Be'ezir Hashem. Tomorrow morning, Tuesday, we have a, um, a shear with the women, 9.45 a.m. And uh, we'll have again this Thursday morning a shear, Thursday afternoon, I think we have a shear with England called Fear and Faith in Times of Crisis. In the meantime, I wish you all a beautiful day, an uplifting day, and a day in which we confuse our need for attachment with our need for authenticity. Question. Why do you say that I don't need to be happy? The greatest happiness comes from this oneness and being submerged. MS. The greatest happiness comes from being submerged. What I meant, I don't need to be happy, is that in this ultimate state of oneness I don't feel my need to be happy because I'm completely present in the relationship so I'm not struggling and feeling the need to be happy because I'm in that state of oneness that's what I meant great question thank you this class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net